the people of the Tigray region of Ethiopia are suffering unimaginable atrocities. Tigray, the northernmost region in Ethiopia, has had a large political influence in the African nation for the last 25 years, until Ethiopian Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed declared war on the region in early November, instituting a communications and travel blackout for the region, blocking all paths in and out. As a result, thousands of civilians have been killed, countless women have been raped, and millions face starvation in what is quickly developing into the largest humanitarian crisis of the 21st century. Welcome back to the Protest Coverage Podcast. I'm Kevin Xavier, and our guest on this episode is Wagata Tesema, a Tigrayan native and organizer with Tri-State Tigaru, who spoke with me and podcast co-host Amanda Faraya on the eve of his organization's protest at the United Nations February 11th, marking 100 days of genocide in Tigray. Wagata helps explain the details of what is happening in his homeland and how his people are struggling to find help in a world that doesn't seem to be listening. Excellent, thank you very much. Well, my name is uh, Wagahta Tasema. I'm actually, uh, my main job, I work at Phelps Hospital in the hospitality department, which I've currently asked for a leave of absence to work on the, uh, the protest that I'm working on. Uh, currently, um, the event coordinator for a protest that's happening tomorrow in front of the United Nations. Uh, it is a protest to bring a light to a situation that is occurring in Tigray, Ethiopia. Uh, it marks tomorrow the 100 days. Uh, it's a 100 day of genocide, a genocide that started on November 4th, where our own government is trying to eradicate a part of the government, a part of the country, about close to 6 million people right now are under darkness, uh, being uh, killed, the women are being raped, children being killed, uh, literally uh, men and women are starving to death because our prime minister won't allow aid to come in to the people that are starving. Uh, United Nations, we're trying to impose pressure on them to put sanctions, also to ask for humanitarian aid. Tomorrow is a protest, a united coalition to put light on one of the most terrible atrocities that's ever occurred in our history. Last time a genocide occurred for a hundred days in darkness and it was in Rwanda and close to a million people died within 100 days. And right now we're hearing some really, really terrible things coming out of Tigray, Ethiopia. Atrocities I, can't, I don't even want to mention because under darkness, when men have no accountability and when they have the weapons and nobody's there to watch them, they do unspeakable acts. This has happened in the past and this is happening now. Uh, our prime minister has called it a law and order uh, action uh, but so he doesn't allow international uh, mediators to come in. No journals are allowed to come in. No media is allowed to report. So our objective tomorrow is to bring light to the situation, to tell the whole world this is happening. Uh, Tigrayans from all over the country are, uh, uh, you know, moving, coming to the United Nations to let the voices be heard of a silenced people back in Ethiopia. And the conflict uh, began to our, our best understanding, Wagata, in early November. Is that correct? November 4th, actually. Nope. The day that there, there was a, a, an election occurred here, uh, it was intended as a distraction because when the, most of the world is watching the U.S., nobody's watching the rest of it. So during that period of time, our prime minister mobilized the military not the police, not the National Guard, 
but the military of the country to go into a small region of about 6 million people. All of Ethiopia is about 101 million or so people. And the, the little region, the ethnic uh, state of Tigray is about 6 million. And Tigray is now landlocked. There's a country above Tigray, above er Ethiopia, which is called Eritrea, which at one point was part of Ethiopia, but they seceded. Uh, there was conflict before. About two years ago, our, our prime minister won the Nobel Peace Prize because he orchestrated a peace deal between Ethiopia and Eritrea about the borders to opening them up. And the borders were open for a period of time. Uh, to this day, nobody knows what the, the actual details of the peace treaty were, it was that behind closed doors. But because of that peace deal with our neighboring country, uh, Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed won the Nobel Peace Prize last year. Imagine that. A prime minister that have won the Nobel Peace Prize all of a sudden now is trying to kill, starve, and you know, use a rape as a weapon against his own people. And nobody knows about it because it's under darkness. So I've read that and I, oh, sorry about that, Kevin. It's okay. Good, Amanda. I just wanted to thank Wagat for taking the time and just recounting that for us. Um, agreed, thank you. I, so I did read that the prime minister, Abi Ahmed had actually won a Nobel Peace Prize and I was curious about um, you know, what that peace treaty actually entailed. I couldn't find any information on it. But I do, I do want to ask, you know, what, what was his reason for ordering the military offensive against Tigray? Okay, so uh, Abiy Ahmed was not an elected official. He was appointed uh, when the initial elected uh, prime minister stepped down, and uh, due to a public uh, outcry, he was elected, appointed actually. And mm -hmm. so, this past 2020 was supposed to be general elections held. And without any consensus, without speaking to any other government officials, the prime minister decided to cancel elections. Uh, Ethiopia is a republic, a democracy, and decided to cancel elections due to COVID, he stated. And now the way Ethiopia has divided, Tigray has its own region, its own government, believe it or not. Every part of Ethiopia has its own uh, region, has its own government. And that government gets together and handles the federal government. And so at this point, Ethiopia has decided it's 2020, elections need to be held. So Tigray held its own elections uh, safely with masks, being uh, COVID restrictions, and the international community even witnessed it and said it was one of the most amazing uh, you know, voting uh, demonstrations that occurred. And so they voted for their own government. And at this point, Abiy Ahmed stated that because I had canceled elections and the people voted in that region for their own government. He said, this government is not, is nullified and we will not you know, uh, account for it. So he sent his own people at this point, trying to take over the positions of the government of Tigray. And the people of Tigray have seen this before because what Abiy Ahmed tried to do was this, uh, prior to Abiy Ahmed, the governing party was TPLF, which was mostly part of the Tigrayan region. They governed for over almost 25 years. And in this period of time, Abiy Ahmed was part of that, uh, was part of that party. And so when he became the prime minister, he, he wanted to start his own party called the PP, Prosperity Party. 
and he wanted to unite all parties. Now we've heard this before when, when one person says, hey, I want to unite all parties, only one party for this country, and we know where that leads to. So TPLF noticed that and said, no, we don't agree to a one party system in our country. We want to have diversity. We want to have debate. And because of that, Abiy Ahmed felt threatened and uh, he, he used that opportunity to try to, now he, he literally says, my father and me and my family, which have been born and raised in that country are considered terrorists because we're affiliated somehow with a TPLF party politically. And so, a lot of what got to, sorry to cut you off, Amanda, a lot of it, a lot of the perception, it, and it's similar to American politics right now, is interpretation of the 1995 Ethiopian constitution. Is that correct? Correct. So the 1995. Article, right. Article 39.1, every nation, nationality, and people in Ethiopia have an unconditional right to self-determination including the right to secession. So that is, you know, the basis for Tigrayans to rise up against the government because it's written directly in the constitution. Correct. But that wasn't even the reason though. Like if it was to be secession, that wasn't even spoken of. The plan was, if it was going to be, to do it peacefully. There's no reason to secede forcefully. It doesn't make sense for Tigrayans. It makes no sense. Tigrayans are the ones who actually built this country during the war. To, you know, they, they were the ones who fought the previous regime. There was a Derg regime uh, by General uh, Halimariam Mangustu. That, during that period of time, I was 10 years old as well. I left the country because of civil war. And when I left, the, the, the people outside the country and people inside worked together to overthrow a dictator. That was using the same methods Abby was using. Uh, weaponized hunger, weaponized starvation, weaponized rape. I imagine, you know what the atrocities are occurring right now? I, if I was to tell you, we're, we're hearing stories. Now, I'm a father, right? I'm a father. I have a three-year-old and a two-year-old. Imagine you're a father and you have two daughters and a man has a bullet to your head and he gives you the option. It says, the only way your daughters are able to live is if you rape one of them. Imagine that choice as, as, a, as a father. So in order to only, and this is how the rape is being used as a weapon in, that, in, in, in this war. It is right. the amount of uh, humanitarian issues that are being dealt right now, it is beyond what we can't even talk about. So imagine that, my, my people, and we're fighting. This is just, is just to, to bring food and water and medicine to the people that are dying. This is not even, you know, just stop the war so we can bring food and water and medicine. And these are people of history. Tigrayans, Ethiopians, the origin of man, the Ark of the Covenant, Abyssinia, Aksum, all of these. I tell our African-American brothers here, this is Black History Month and their history, your history is being wiped away. The origin of civilization, they're wiping away churches, they're wiping away ruins, they're, they're burning down schools. There's a systematic way to wipe out a society and nobody knows about it because it's happening under darkness. It's in Africa. It's another conflict, but it is not. This is a humane challenge. And part of what you mean under darkness is there's no communication permitted in this area. Is that correct? So no, no communication is permitted to be disseminated into or out of 
And that's why I think some of the larger international community appears to not be aware or uh, have the details that you're providing unless it's being passed word of mouth. Correct. But uh, let's be honest, okay? We have satellites. We have satellites that can look into your eyeball if they wanted to within our right. country. You, you right. have well, satellite. Yeah. So uh, it is under darkness as in like they turn off the internet, that there's no power, mm -hmm. there's no electricity. So news unable to come out. But the international community knows the UN has acknowledged it. The US government has acknowledged what is going on in the country. But due to sovereignty and due to political challenges, you can't just go into a country. And what we're asking for is though the people to rise and to move and to speak to their representative and to say, this cannot be happening under our watch. I'm an American, okay? I was born in Ethiopia, but I'm an American. I'm a United States Marine. I've, I have kids here. My wife is from this country, but my home also is back in Ethiopia. I'm an African-American. And so my home is being wiped out and my country in America is not doing anything about it at the moment. And I need Joe Biden's administration and everybody that has the power to, to do that. And radio and media is one of the greatest powers that can do that. Unfortunately, in Ethiopia, the media is state owned, meaning the government runs it. So any propaganda that's coming out, any news and so forth, the government is controlling it and twisting it. There are even right now, FBI is looking into their accounts because they're hacking into our Twitter accounts, our Instagram accounts, the activists. And one even said that the protest for tomorrow was canceled due to COVID. They hacked into an account to say that. So there's a huge media campaign against us. If anybody is for us, we've had some celebrities or some business higher ups, you know, tweeting, they get attacked immediately by the other side, immediately. To say that, you know, people, humane, humane action is necessary. So there's a, a system behind this that is fighting it on a level that it is you know, hard to see. So we need help. That's all we're asking for. Amanda. Oh, yes. You can go ahead and jump in with your next one. So I, I wanted to talk more about the implications of what this feud could mean for neighboring countries. Could you shed some light on that? 100%. It is dangerous times. The Horn of Africa, the East of Africa, you have Ethiopia, you have Sudan, Kenya, uh, Somalia, Eritrea, Egypt, uh, Djibouti. And that whole East aspect of Africa has always been kind of policed by Ethiopia. Ethiopia used to, uh, the UN would use Ethiopian forces to help Somalia, to help Kenya, to help Sudan. So most of the forces that kept that area you know, a solid and uh, stabilized was the Ethiopian forces and the, the Ethiopian government. So now imagine if the people keeping the area stable are unstable. So that th there's a, a big issue internationally because if, if Ethiopia decentralizes and separates and breaks apart, that means the Horn of Africa, there's going to be a vacuum that needs to be filled. There's going to be all types of uh, economical challenges, all types of fighting, all types of killing. So it is in the best interest of the international community to support, to make sure Ethiopia stays stable. 100% in the best interest of the world. This is an, a region where we've had uh, huge humanitarian issues and it is very volatile. So it is extremely important we keep Ethiopia stable to the rest of the world and the rest of Africa. 
who are some of the organizations, Wagata, that you've linked up with uh, for this action tomorrow that are based in New York City? Have you worked with any organizers here in the city um, for this action tomorrow? And you know, we'll, we'll be on site for it, of course, but just curious if you're teaming up with anyone here. So initially, tomorrow's action was initially something small. Us volunteers, I'm a volunteer. This whole organization that we have together was about 23 of us got together and said, we have to do something for our people that are being killed. And so we decided to, we we're going to do a demonstration at the United Nations. Uh, but then it took on a, a life of its own. Uh, people, there's a lot of uh, Ethiopians in DC that were demonstrating. And the UN had done something which they were trying to block a resolution to help Ethiopia. So we decided on this 100-day genocide, DC was going to come here. Uh, they decided that. Other states decided they're going to come and support us. So something small that we started kind of took a life on its own. And through the internet, uh, through Clubhouse, through Instagram, through Twitter, uh, through certain uh, uh, business moguls or celebrities taking a hold of it, now we have a lot more people coming. Uh, that, and now with that, uh, we have people from the Black Lives Matter of New York coming to speak. Uh, General Peace of Brooklyn is coming to speak. We have the Peace Corp uh, representatives coming to speak on our behalf. So it is literally a coalition of a whole bunch of volunteers coming together and getting help from other organizations. So there isn't any one specific organization that's literally putting this together. I'm a volunteer. I represent the Tri-State Tagaru organization. <laughs> we, we, we're basically new. Uh, we're a bunch of volunteers trying to put this together. We're getting help from everybody. And there's a, an organization called Omna Tigray, O-M-N-A Tigray, that's been helping us out, uh, based out of, I believe, Atlanta. There's organizations out of Boston, out of DC, that have just united for this effort. Because when, when children and babies are dying, and when, when mothers are watching their babies die because they can't feed them, then the world needs to say something. This cannot happen. We cannot watch it and say later on, oh, we should have done something. That, that's not acceptable anymore. We have a responsibility to a, a basic human right as a human being is to live. Nobody has the right to take that away from you unless it is a defensive action. And so Ethiopia, they're mostly farmers. This occurred during harvest period. Literally farmers were out harvesting and then all of a sudden started getting dropped bombs started dropping. They literally left all, whatever they had left them, walked for weeks to refugee camps. One of the challenges we're facing right now across the border in Sudan, there are over 65,000 displaced Ethiopians and Tigrayans in refugee camps. There's over a million uh, children displaced, can't find their parents, vice versa. And this causes a generation issue, by the way. You know, this might happen now, but this causes a generation where kids don't know their parents. That's, that's multiple folds of challenges coming. So we need your help. Our international community, our media brothers and sisters, everybody. We need your help. Any outlet that you have, speak about it. Let the world know. Genocide is occurring. Our people are getting wiped out through starvation and rape. Listen to that. What does that sound like? Inhumane acts are occurring. Thank you. Well, we thank you uh, for jumping on with us and we won't keep you for too much longer. I know you have another call to get to later tonight uh, and obviously it's some preparation to do uh, for tomorrow. I'm going to throw it back to Amanda if she had any closing questions or thoughts. 
Um, I just wanted to ask two more questions. On a you know, on a personal note, do you have any family that's close to what's going on over there or is currently living there that has been reaching out to you to share anything and are they safe? Uh, one of the biggest challenges we faced right now, people in the US is trying to get in, in touch with our families back home. Mm -hmm. uh, a week prior to this occurrence, my mom and dad decided to travel to the States because my brother was getting married. That was the only reason they came. They didn't realize this was happening. Uh, but as of right now, I've lost cousins, I've lost uncles, aunts. We're getting news 40, 50 days later of their passing because we don't know. A lot of my family has gone into the, uh, into the caves to fight a lot of my cousins. And so this is a town almost every year, every two years, I would go visit. This is a town in, in Tigray, a place called Ma'ala, where I was born, where my parents are, where, you know, a university was bombed for no reason. Nobody bombs the university unless they knew it's a university. Kids going to school. These are normal kids just every day trying to make, you know, their, their lives better, going to school, going to, to work. And the economy was working. It, w it was getting better. But one day you're, you're living your life, you're going to school. The next day you're getting bombed, you're getting killed, you're getting raped. And nobody's there to help you. Imagine how that is. So that is what we are doing. And my family back home, you know, this... We're making enough noise in New York for them to hear it. The reason why we're doing this, they're dying and we're gonna fight every day. I'm not stopping. This is just the beginning. After this, there'll be more protests. There'll be more strikes until the war stops, until people are being fed and given water and medication. We're not stopping this fight. Please know that. And we will continue to do so until I have lost every energy that I had. Until I am dead, I will continue to fight for my people. Definitely understood. I'm sorry to hear about, um, you know, your family being affected by it, um, impacted by it. Um, you know, for us as allies and listeners of the podcast, you know, what are, you know, what are some main takeaways that you want us to walk away from the podcast with, um, you know, in terms of how we can help? Is there, you know, any accounts we need to follow? Please do share um, so we can aid in that as well. Yes, plug away. We And anytime you want to hop back on with us, um, we're happy to chat with you about these topics and give you the platform to discuss. First and foremost, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for that platform, for the opportunity. Uh, this is how change occurs when different people listen and, you know, communicate and start to know what's going on. I would ask, we have a hashtag going, it's called hashtag Tigray genocide, uh, hashtag 100 days of genocide are occurring. Uh, these are the hashtags that we are using. Hashtag uh, defund Tigray genocide. Uh, we also have uh, websites. If you want to help volunteer in any way for tomorrow, our website is contact at tristatetagaru.org. Again, contact at tristatetagaru.org. Uh, we need volunteers tomorrow, but there's also other organizations. There's a, a lot of GoFundMe pages. There's a link tree. If you go to my Instagram, uh, it is uh, Salam underscore I-N underscore love. Salam in love at Instagram. And uh, you'll have all those links. So look it up. Please let everybody know. Let your, if you're in touch with any type of people who are influencers, influencers that have big followings that can make a difference. Mm -hmm. 
sometimes governors are not the only ones that can make a difference. If you know people, if you know people in the uh, arts industry or in the music industry that can put a light, that's all we're asking. This is happening under darkness. So please, if more people are start talking about it and more people are tweeting about it, then the prime minister needs to act. He can't say, he can't hide behind the, the Nobel Peace Prize. That's what he's doing. He's hiding behind it and he's giving them a license to genocide and that cannot occur. Thank you all for your support and uh, grateful for allowing me to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much, Wagata. And thank you for your service to our country uh, beyond your native Tigray. Hi, it's Amanda Faraya. When we arrived at the demonstration, there were approximately 500 people that came out to support Tigra. Nearly each person draped in or waving the Tigran flag, carrying signs and peacefully chanting for justice. Among that crowd, I spoke with a brave soul and native of Tigra named Solomon, who had just escaped the unrest in Ethiopia in December 2020 and arrived in the States in January 2021. He spoke with us briefly about his experience in Tigra and the danger he faced coming to the U.S. Forget about U.S. citizens and uh, diaspora and kind of stuff. They couldn't help anybody. They, they can't do anything. You have to beg them, like, beg them to give you one minute call. To make a call, like, one minute. And I was like, if it says refugee agency, what, what does it stand for then? If they don't help people uh, that are in trouble, you know? Same thing right now, it's just so many people are dying, but of course I know the government locked down everything. No one cannot get in, no foreign people, like medias and kind of stuff, but still at least they, they should have tried to find out on their own, you know, try to help. So we're here with Solomon, this Kevin Xavier alongside Amanda Faraya. Solomon, tell us a little bit about what brought you to this action today. To protest, to tell the world, United Nations, all the international organizations, to tell them what is happening in Tigray. The genocide is taking place in North Ethiopia, in the region of Tigray. Um, I'm hoping that people, United Nations, international organizations can hear us. They can hear our voice representing the uh, region of Tigray. We've been a voice for the voiceless. That's basically what it is. And you recently traveled fleeing the violence in Tigray. Is that correct, Solomon? Yes. I was there sometime in mid-September until the end of December. I just got back. What was your experience like traveling back to the States? Well, Did you have trouble getting out? I had trouble getting out. Um, I called them the three no's. Three no's. What I mean is like no transportation, no electricity, no communication. So without such a thing, as the world as it is today, you can imagine how, how life could be. So. It was tough. I, I smuggled out. I paid a lot of money to get out of from the region. I was I was raised from from uh, the country that I am familiar with. Um, I, I smuggled out. 
smuggling. That's basically what it was, how it was. When did you arrive in the U.S. and how has your experience been since you've been here? Yeah, so here in the United States? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's good. I am, uh, this is my home country now. I'll be whatever the country would be, and I, I'm safe now. But before then, it was uh, it was really hard. I mean, I, I have so much. I love music. I couldn't listen to music right now. I'm so sad because I've seen a lot of people dying. I've seen so many people dead. So I'm still sad. I'm, I'm still struggling. Like uh, my heart, my mind is still with them. You know. I'm, Surviving, basically, that's what it is. Uh, Are you able to contact any family uh, in or around the region, or is it the complete communications blackout? Yeah, the uh, recently the, the the telephone service was up in the capital city of Tigray, um, so I've been calling over there, but. No one cannot really go to, to the other different cities of the Tigray. Uh, out of the capital city, all the small cities, the entire Tigray, basically, it's under devastation. It's, people are still, still dying. I was able to speak to uh, a guy just came from Aksum, and he confirmed with me, he said, it is exactly how I left it. There is nothing changed. Actually, people are dying, and there is no no electricity, no water. People are still hungry. Um, they can't really grind their grains and make food. So it's still the same situation, and the killing and the destruction is still happening. That's what he confirmed me. Exactly, he said, it is exactly how he left it. What can Americans and the United States as a whole do to assist Tigray? Um, a lot. Actually, they can do a lot because uh, I'm pretty sure with the influence of the United States and the United Nations, at least they can stop the killings. They can stop the genocide. They can do that. That's why we're begging them. That's why we are screaming and yelling for help here in the United States and to the United Nations. So uh, they can do a lot. Just it's been ignored so far because I know the central government of Ethiopia did this with the Eritrea government by locking the entire region, cut the electricity, the communication and transport. And then they they're playing the uh, the entire world. That's what they're doing. They're playing game with the entire world. I heard we were using batteries and trying to listen what is happening. So when I was in Aksum, the city of Aksum, I heard the Prime Minister said in the Parliament, uh, we captured everything with a no gun sound, with no single person died. I was shocked. I was shocked. I, uh, I have experienced so many dead people. I, I picked up so many dead young people and buried my own self. I was helping the community in the city. So, his lies, his manipulating the country and the uh, international 
community, it's, it's amazing. Uh, he was too small for me. When I heard him saying that, he was, he was too small for that big country. He is absolutely not a leader. Um, it's not his place. That's what I felt. I was like, I can lie about my friends in such a way. You know, people lie, people tell the truth. I'm just being honest. But such a leader, when he just lie in such a way, uh, I, I totally lost it. I was like, how, how can you feel Ethiopian now? Well, the entire other tribes and people of Ethiopia just ignored and follow what he says. And he's, he's lying and he engaged the Eritrean government, the government that really hates the uh, Tigray region, and do this. I don't know. How can you feel Ethiopian anymore? So it's really sad.